Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. This is our Christmas message today. And normally, uh, the Christmas message is done uh, before Christmas. But because it's so close to Christmas, I decided to wait until today. And what I simply want to tell you this morning is that he came. He came. Now, I know some of you this morning, because I feel in my spirit, you're hurting today. Because you've lost someone. And it's not just one person. There's many of you in here. You may have lost that person years ago. But you're still hurting because that this holiday brings about that fresh memory. When you would have time with them and you would open up presents and you're looking and they're not there. And so I know these kind of holidays can be overshadowed by that sense of grief. And that sense of loneliness and whereas everyone else seems to be enjoying themselves and having a good time and enjoying having a holiday, you're suffering inside and you're struggling. And I want to tell you this morning that the Lord is here today to help mend that broken heart. He is here today to help touch that heart that is hurting. And I want you to know that he loves you and he cares about you and he sees that hurt. He sees that pain. And that is the reason why he came. In 1 Timothy 1.15, amen. 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I want you to understand the primary reason he came to this world was to save sinners. Amen. That's the reason why he came. He came to reconcile us to God. Now I want to say this and and I want to say this very clearly. A church that does not have as a central mission the focus on winning people to the Lord is not a church, it's a club. I'm going to say that one more time. A church that does not have as its central focus the desire, the heartbeat, the, the, the overwhelming obsession to win people to the Lord is not a church, it's a club. Amen. Because if Jesus came into the world to seek and save those which were lost, it becomes our responsibility, it becomes our accountability to reach and save those that are lost. Amen? That is why this message and these messages are evangelistic because I want you to hear, I want you to know, maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but Jesus came because he loved you. Amen? For God so loved the world. Amen? For God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. I want you to know this morning it is not God's will for you to be in pain today even though you may experience pain we're never going to be exempt from that but it is God's will to bring healing to your life. It is God's will to bring joy to your life. It is God's will to lift you up when you're down. It is God's will to show you that it's going to be okay. It is God's will to express to you that your pain may last for the night. Your mourning may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Joy comes in the morning. Amen? I want to share with you this morning. There is hope in the Lord today. There is hope in the Lord today. There is joy in the house. Amen? I know you're going through a rough time. I feel that. But when the people of God realize that going through a rough time is only seasonal, it's not forever, and we can have joy in our times of suffering, we can have joy in our times of sorrow, then we no longer become a hospital. We become a military base that goes out and wins the lost. Amen? We became a house that where people we become militant. As a church, we need to go back and realize that. We need to go back and realize that the reason why we have church is not because of the worship team. Some churches, I've seen it when I was down south, they brag about their worship team. Come listen to our worship team. And I keep thinking, I thought we were supposed to go to church to worship God. Amen. You know, I'm not going to worship your worship team. Where's the, where's the impact of the word? Amen. And, when, and what we do is, is we've kind of gotten away from where we need to be. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter where the church is today. He still came. Amen. He came in your life. He came in my life. He's come in the house. He came in the life of the people that need him this morning. I'm going to tell you how he came. First of all, he came vulnerable. He came as a baby. Every movie that I've ever watched, when a king would enter a room there's expectations. There's, there's um, requirements. You have to kneel or stand a certain way, or you have to blow the trumpets and you have to do this. Never has a king come vulnerable. But he came. He defied expectations. And he came as a baby. But not just a baby. He came as one who was born in a manger, a stable, because like the world, no one made room for him. See, no one made room for him, even though he was coming. That's the way the world is right now. No one has made room for him. They cry out to him. And I see people all the time crying out for Jesus, crying out for Jesus, Jesus, I need help. But nobody's making room for him this morning. Amen. And it's time we make room for Jesus. That's why he became vulnerable. And his birth was celebrated by shepherds because he is the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. When the shepherds come, God chose the shepherds. And I want want to explain to you why this is important. 
Because the shepherd was considered the lowest job that there was. I, I can't even describe a job that's comparable. The shepherds was considered a, an abomination to the Egyptians. And it was just considered the low. Anybody who anybody could get a job as a shepherd. It was just the lowest one that there is. But yet God chose to announce the birth of his son, his precious and anointed son, to a bunch of lowly shepherds, people who couldn't make a difference in the world, but God chose them. Let me tell you that God does not look about how rich you are. He does not look at how successful you are. He doesn't look at all those things that we look at. He looks at you and he sees something that he wants to, you to be a part of his life and him to be a part of your life. He seeks to save those that are lost. He looks at you and says, you are chosen for me. You are chosen for me. And everyone here, everyone here, God has announced himself to you. When other people may have rejected you, when other people may have turned away from you, when other people may have said no to you, there is a God in heaven that said yes to you. Amen. He said yes to you. He called out to you and announced himself to you. And praise God, you responded. Amen. You responded. He came vulnerable as a baby. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. And not only did he come as a baby, but he was born in a manger, a stinky manger. I was sharing this on Wednesday night, I believe. We you know when my wife and I were preparing for the birth of our children, she, would get, she went on this rampage of cleaning the house. Now, I mean, the house was always clean, but it just went next level crazy, Right? I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm trying to make a point, so it's okay. But she would go and she would clean and clean and clean and clean and clean and clean and clean. And there was a point, there was a part of the house that I was not allowed to go into. And I said, I said, what are you doing? She goes, I just feel this need to clean. Moms, you know what I'm talking about, right? When the baby's coming, you, you feel this need to get everything ready, and you get excited about that, and they have a term for it. I'm not going to go into that now because it doesn't make my point. But can you imagine, moms, can you imagine, moms, having a baby in a stable, basically in a barn? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having to place your newborn baby who is susceptible to all kinds of disease and infections, placing that newborn baby in a dirty manger that animals eat out of. Can you imagine? But that's what Mary did. And that's what God allowed because he wanted to show that the most humbling, the most humbling birth ever in the history of mankind, that was our Jesus. He came and he humbled himself and he showed us what it meant for him to come. Amen. He came this morning, not at blowing trumpets in the king's castle, but he came in a lowly manger to show who he was. He didn't have to prove himself that he was God. We knew he was God because of his actions because of his ways. Amen. You know, the hardest thing for us to do as Christians is to become vulnerable. It, and not just because we're Christians, it's just hard to do anyway, isn't it? I have a hard time becoming vulnerable because you know what happens when you become vulnerable? People see it and they pounce on it, don't they? They see it and they're like, oh, I can get that person because people feel the need that if, if they're hurting, they want to make you hurt as well, don't they? Well, Jesus understood that. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. 
and how he understood it. But I want to tell you that if we become like Jesus, then we must become vulnerable. We must become willing to be hurt. We must become willing to go through that pain and go through those things that we go through, understanding not to blame God, not to blame him for anything, but understand that he's a loving, compassionate God, willing to see us through. Here's what I said about understanding what I was going to say in a few moments, because he came to heal, restore, and to make whole. He came to do that for us. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know what that word upon means? That means it's placed around him. It's literally on him. He is cloaked with it. It is all of arm. It's been placed over him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, he come to give us victory. Amen. He come to give us freedom this morning. Praise God. Praise God. It is time that those of us in the church walk not around in defeat, but we walk around in victory. I know you may be struggling at the moment, but I promise you there are, your time of suffering is coming to an end. And even if it doesn't come to an end soon, it's only a season. The time of joy is coming, the joy of Christmas, so to speak, because he came. Praise God. He came. If you look at the New Testament... If you look at the New Testament, everything that Jesus did coincided with healing. Healing was just as much a part of the ministry as anything Jesus did. There are so many recorded healings in the Gospels because they're wanting to say it everywhere Jesus went. Not only did he speak the word, but he also brought healing. Brothers and sisters, there is healing in the house today. There is healing in the house today. You don't have to leave here. You don't have to leave here upset. You don't have to leave here angry. You don't have to leave here hurting and pain. You don't have to leave here suffering. There is a God that heals, and he heals the same today as he did 2,000 years ago. There is a God that heals this morning. He is not slack concerning his promise. He wants to bring healing to us. But more than that, brothers and sisters, it's not just the healing He wants to make us whole. Come on. He wants to make us whole. See, there's a difference between healing and being made whole. And and, in John chapter 5, we hear about a story about how there was a man laying by the pool. As a matter of fact, in Jesus comes up and saw him. I'm going to read the verse in a minute. And this man was laying by the pool. And what happened is this pool, every time an angel would come down and trouble the water. And what trouble the water means, he would stir up the water. And when someone would get into the pool, they would be healed. And this man was lame. and And somebody would always jump in the water ahead of him. Oh, thank you, God. Some of you this morning, you want to be healed so bad. 
and you've asked God to heal you, but it just seems like everybody that you know is getting blessed by God and you're still waiting. You're still waiting for that miracle in your life. Let me tell you something this morning. Not only is God going to heal you, but he's going to make you whole. Amen. He's going to make you whole. See, it's one thing to be healed, but it's another thing to be made whole. See, if I had leprosy, God can heal me from leprosy and take away from me the disease of leprosy, but leprosy still destroyed parts of my body, right? And so to be made whole is for those parts of my body to grow where there were no parts. That's what Jesus did in scripture. God made them whole and God wants to make you whole today. No more hole in your heart. Amen. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you complete. He wants to heal you. Now here, here's where I struggle is we talk about healing and, and people sit back and go, amen, amen. But when I call you for to get healed, you just sit there because I, I don't know why. I really don't. I've, I've struggled with that. I'm telling you, reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. You'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment. Your need, he will supply. Reach out, reach out, and touch the Lord as he comes by. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, there is healing in the house today, but you got to reach out and get it. You got to reach out and say, I want that healing. You got to say, God, I want it. And listen, how he does it is up to him. You may have to come to the altar one time, you may have to come to the altar a hundred times, but he wants to make you whole. Amen. There is healing in the house today. Jesus looks at this guy and he says, John chapter five, verse six, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said to him, he said to him, will thou be made whole? John chapter five, verse six, he says, will thou be made whole? Man, I feel like God's asking that today of the church. See, our job as believers is to reach the world. But we can't reach the world if we're hurting. We can't reach the world if we're hamstrung because of pain. Now, there's always going to be some pain, but... Still, God makes us whole. Amen? Amen. Jesus, people were attracted to Jesus because of the healings. That's everywhere in Scripture. People would come to him because he would heal people, and people would run up to him, and they say, heal me. And I would imagine Jesus healed some people knowing that they would never believe in him. But that's just the compassion that he shared and the love that he shared for his people. But I want to tell you this morning that we, as a church, need healing this morning. Amen? He came to bring you healing this morning. As a matter of fact... In this passage of scripture, if you look at the King James Version in John chapter 5, in this story, he says the word whole four times. The word whole was said four times. It was repeated because Matthew or John wanted us to know when he wrote this, he wanted us to know that there goes beyond a healing sometimes. 
Now, I know God is going to bring healing, but he also, I just want to emphasize this one more time. God wants to make you whole. Amen. He wants to bring healing to your body. He also came to reconcile. See, I mentioned this earlier about people hurting today. Some people at this time of year, they feel abandoned because of broken relationships. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many this morning are dealing with a broken relationship with someone? I have relationships in my life that are broken and it brings pain. It brings pain because you want so bad for those relationships, especially at this time of year, you want those so bad for those relationships to be restored. But I want to tell you that he came to heal our most relationship, our most important relationship, the relationship between us and the father. He came to heal that relationship. He came to reconcile that relationship. He came to fix that relationship between us and God. Amen. And that's, brothers and sisters, that's the relationship that matters, is the one between us and God. Those other relationships will eventually work themselves out, and I'm not saying we don't need to work on those, but the one between us and God, that's what matters. And Jesus came to fix that relationship because we were born into sin, and he died on the cross that our sin may go away, and he rose on the third day that we may be with him in heaven one day. He brought peace between us and God. As a matter of fact, in Philippians or Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, he says this. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, he says this. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. In other words, when we fell into sin with Adam, there was a separating wall between us and God. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that means against, I mean, that means an enemy. There was, a, there was an issue between them. That is the law of commandments contained in order so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. That's why I call Jesus the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. He is our peace this morning. Praise God. Verse 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting together the enmity. In other words, what he did is enmity is when there's, you're, you have something against someone. There's, there's a um, there's an obstacle. That's the only way I know to really describe it. That would make sense. There's an obstacle. There's a hindrance between you and someone else. But right now, because of sin, we have enmity with God. We are not reconciled to him unless you've been blood-bought. Amen? Unless you've been received Jesus into your heart. And then that stumbling block, that wall has been gone. He has burst through that wall to restore that relationship. Brothers and sisters, he came this morning. Amen. He came to heal. He came to restore. He came to reconcile. Amen. He came to make us whole. 
Everything he did about coming on the cross, as Mike read this morning, every, coming to the manger, everything that he did this morning was about you. It was about me. It was about everyone in Juno, all of your friends and the family. It was about them. He came for us this morning. He didn't have to come, but he came. Amen. He came for us this morning. And here's the great part. He's going to come again. He's going to come again. See, when Jesus came the first time, he came as a vulnerable, vulnerable baby that anything could have happened to him. Without God's protection, he could have easily been hurt in some capacity, gotten sick. But he came vulnerable for us. But he is coming back as a reigning king. Amen. He is coming back on clouds of glory. Amen. Amen. Here's the great part. When he comes back, before he comes back, he's going to return, not necessarily all the way to earth, but he's going to, we're going to meet him in the clouds of glory. We're going to be changed in an instant. Now, this is the part where everybody should be shouting, okay? I'm just giving you a little notice ahead of time, all right? Because anybody got problems this morning? Anybody got things that you're dealing with? In a moment, all of those problems are going to go away. In a moment, we're going to be taken away from everything, amen? In a moment, in a moment, we're going to see God face to face. In a moment, in a moment, and I don't know what it is, but I know that the stage has been set. I don't know what it is, but I know that no prophecy has yet to be fulfilled that is not ready to be fulfilled as far as us going to heaven. Now, there's some things that will come after that, but everything is set. Everything's ready to go. The Lord is, I'm just, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm listening every day for some trumpets, amen? I'm telling you, the Lord is coming back, and when he comes, he will be riding on a horse, and he will come get us in glory, Amen. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 15, 1, 15, 51 through 52, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That word sleep there means die. But we shall all be changed. Amen. Praise God. Woo. We're going to be changed. We're going to be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. I heard Will say one moment. Or one day he said in his teaching, which is why you really do need to be here. He said the twinkling of an eye is a measure, an actual measurement of time. We will be changed at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. Yeah. And here's, here's something I want you to know. For those that you've lost who are in Christ... For those that you've lost in Christ, they're going to rise up before us. Amen? Amen. If you go over here to the grave site, over off, is it Riverdale Road? Is that the name of the road? The, the road? You know what I'm talking about. The little uh, park or the uh, cemetery over there, all these graves where people believed in God, they're going to burst open, amen, and they're going to go first, and then it's going to be our turn, amen, so when you see the graves burst open, you better get to jumping and practicing, amen, you better get to light stepping because our next, we're next, amen. 
I'll never forget, I was in youth camp a long time ago, a long time ago. And we used to have a little fun. We would go around doing rapture drills. We'd all start jumping around. We called it rapture drills. I just think we had plenty of energy. Amen. But man, maybe we need some rapture drills in the house of God today. I'm telling you, we are going to be, he came so that we can go to heaven. He came so that we can be reconciled to God. He came so that we can be healed. And he came so that we don't have to live this life in this corruptible flesh, but we can be changed and stand before the Lord this morning. Now, we believe in this church that the Lord is coming back before the tribulation. Because the tribulation was not meant for us. It was meant for the sinner. We're not the ones getting judged. And I can go into detail on that later. It's not necessary at this moment. We're not going to have to go through that tribulation. We're not going to have to deal with that. We're not going to have to go through that time of sorrow. But at the end of seven years, when the tribulation is over, he's going to mount a white horse. And he's going to come back and defeat the devil. He's going to come back and defeat the Antichrist. He's going to come back and defeat the false prophet. Amen? See, even though he came vulnerable, even though he came as a child, as a baby, now he comes back as a reigning glorious king. Amen. He comes back mighty in power, mighty in glory, mighty indeed. He comes back and he defeats the enemies. In Revelations chapter 19, verse 11, he says, now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. In Revelations 15 and 16 or 19 verses 15 and 16 he says now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of kings and Lord of lords. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today, now, even though you may be hurting and even though you may be sad and even though you may feel lost, now is not the time for us to get down and upset. I understand those feelings. I'm not criticizing. But now is the time for lifting up our hands and lifting them, our eyes towards heaven and realize that our salvation draws nigh. Amen. Amen. We need to lift our eyes towards heaven and realize that our healing is now. Amen. We need to lift our eyes towards heaven and realize that the Lord has come to answer those prayers. He's come to fulfill the needs of your heart. He's come to lift you up. He's come to encourage you. He's come to tell you it's going to be all right. You're going to get through this. We'll do it together. Hallelujah. He's come to tell you this morning that he's there. He never left your side. He never, he never walked away. There have been people who have abandoned you. There are people that have left you for, for dead, it seems like, just like the, the man on the side of the road going to Jericho. But there is a God who came, amen? There is a God who came. He came knowing that we would reject him, but yet he came anyway, amen? He knows what it feels like to be rejected. He knows what it feels like to know, feel like no one wants him. But I'm telling you this morning, Jesus wants you. Jesus desires you. Jesus has called you. And not only has he called you, but he's called your family. He 
He's called your loved ones. He's called your brother, your sister, your aunties, your uncles. He's called everybody. See, brothers and sisters, if you want to know the mission of this church, I'm going to tell you real easy. To seek and save those that are lost. Now, if we do that, you know what's going to happen? People are going to come to this church who need to be saved. And you know what? They're not going to look so good sometimes. They're going to come in, and they're not going to be in the best shape. I know it's hard for some of us to remember, but when Jesus got a hold of us, we weren't in the best shape either. A church mission has to be to seek and save the lost. We have to be that way. Anything less than that is not acceptable. And I believe that God's going to honor that. Can I share with you my concern about churches? And I've been talking about this a lot lately. And I share with you, not to criticize other churches, but I want you to understand what we're not going to be. Churches have taken on a consumeristic personality. If you come to our church, you get programs, you get this, you can pick this and choose that. And it's all about the experience rather than the creator. As I said, there was a church down in Tennessee that I drove by that said, come look at our worship team. Come look at our worship team. And that bothered me. Because churches are making their worship team more important than the word. I was talking to someone a while back about the church they were going to, and they were telling me that, well, the worship is good. And again, that bothered me because it was more about the worship than it was the word. We can't be that way. Amen? Because if not, what happens is people treat the church like Fred Myers. They, they say, well, I want this, but I don't want that. Or I, I, I like this, but I don't like that. And, and it's not about what we like. Amen? It's not about what we like. It's about him. It's about him. It's about glorifying him. It's about bringing people into the kingdom. And brothers and sisters, we cannot be that consumeristic church that people can come in and just pick and choose whatever they like. We've got to be a church that is on fire for God. We've got to be a church that desires God. We've got to be a church that wants revival. Amen. A lot of pastors get up and say, well, I want revival. And people will say, I want revival. Let me tell you what revival is. Revival means being here every Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday evening. Amen. Revival means following God and following his message and and wanting him more than gossip or all those other things. It means saying no to yourself and yes to God and realizing that God still wants to use you for his message. Amen. Revival. Revival means that you realize that he is imminent. I am nothing. Revival means that we we separate ourselves and we no longer give ourselves to sin. We don't have one foot in the world and one foot in church. We realize that it is an all or nothing mentality. We go to him, amen, because he gave up everything for us. We also must give up everything for him. What are we willing to give up for him? See, people say everything. But when it comes down to it, 
There's a hesitancy. I went through many years of trial and hurt and pain because slowly but surely God was eliminating those things in my life that I thought were important. God was eliminating those things in my life that I thought I needed. God was removing those things from me. Brothers and sisters, what are we willing to give up for him? What are, what are we willing to do? Now I mentioned about being here on Sunday night and Wednesday evening. It's important. I'm just going to say it's, imp- it's important. And, and there's no excuse that you can give me that will tell me otherwise. Because in these other times that we're here, we go deeper into the word. We go deeper. We go deeper, and it brings about a sense of unity. And, and I know that as speakers, we don't get, we're not supposed to get wrapped up in who's here and not here. But, Will, how does it feel when you're here and only five people are here on Wednesday night? It can be discouraging, right? It can be discouraging. How do you feel, Richard, when you speak and only five people are here? It can be discouraging. I want to encourage you. This isn't meant to put you down. I just want you to understand that when Jesus came, he was all in. Understand? He was all in. So if he was all in, he expects us to be all in. Now, some may say, well, I'm all in. I just do it differently. Again, that is not substantiated by Scripture. I want to tell you this morning that if we want to be what God's called us to be. Now, does anybody believe that God wants to use this church? Do you believe that? If we want to be what God's called us to be, then we got to be willing to take that extra step. This, this is the challenge I give you. Are you ready? Try it. Try it. That's all I'm saying. Try it. When we talk about giving, try it. How many, how many have been blessed when knowing that you give to God. Amen. Amen. Come on, elders, help me out. You know what I'm talking about. Try it. Just forget about me. Forget about, I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm just trying to teach you here. Try it. And if you are not blessed by it, if you are not blessed by it, then I'll give you your money back. Not really, I'm just saying that. If you're not blessed by what God is doing, then you could take that up with him. And I'm telling you, there's a blessing when we come together. There's a blessing when we receive from him. And each one of you has something to give to the Lord. Amen? Amen. But as they put on some music, there's something I want to do here. I want to talk about healing again. Because in my heart, I feel like there needs to be healing in the house. So if you need healing in your heart, I just want you to stand up right now as they put on some music. Stand up right now. If you need healing this morning, stand up. Stand up. I want you to come on down. Come on and make your way down. Make your way down. 
Man, we have some hurting people here today, don't we? That's okay. That's all right. Come up here by Randy if you can. Come on, Karen. Praise God. I just feel like God wants to do some healing today, don't you? Amen. I feel like God wants to heal you. Tessa, you need some healing this morning. And he's going to do that, okay? Anybody else? You need healing this morning. I don't care if it's physical. I don't care what it is. Do you need healing from the Lord this morning? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this simple. We're not going to do this big display of me laying hands on you about trying to push you down and knock you out. I'm not going to do that because that's, the Lord is telling me that's more emotional right now. And there's a time and place for that. Okay. There may be a day I come up to you and say, I'm going to knock you out today. Okay. I'm going to slap you down. All right. I already told one person that this morning, (laughs) but all I'm going to do, I want everybody to look at me. All I'm going to do today is I'm simply going to anoint you with oil. Now, oil, oil, if I can say it properly, oil is important because this represents the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. He's anointed me. This oil represents that anointing. What I want you to do is I simply want you to raise your hand And I want you to tell the Lord what you need healing from. And then you're going to come back tonight, and you're going to tell me what he healed you from. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I don't have a ride tonight. Then pray with us offline. Amen? You ready? I want you to raise your hand right now. I'm just going to simply go down, and I'm going to lay my hands on you. Are you ready? Tell him what you need. Tell him what you need. In the name of Jesus, we ask you for healing right now, Father. Right now, in the name of Jesus, healing, Lord. Healing in the name of Jesus. We believe, God, that there is Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.